Bienvenidos a Crónicas de la Raza. Welcome to La Raza Chronicles. On tonight's program, we bring you an on-the-ground report from Puerto Rico. Maria Jose Montijo, who, along with being a beloved musician from the Bay, she is also an acupuncturist and does healing work and is very connected to the healing work happening on the island. And she gives us a report back on how folks are mobilizing on the ground to address trauma and to address hunger and homelessness and other issues that have resulted not only from the huracan that intensely damaged the island September 23rd, but also the colonial and imperialist laws that have made it so hard for Puerto Rico to take care of itself and have sovereignty. We continue with strong women voices and we speak to Marta Gonzalez, who is known from her work as a part of Quetzal, a very loved group, but she is coming to us through the Son Jarocho Festival and that festival kicks off on the 30th in just a couple weeks and will involve talleres and musica and a whole bunch of eventos and she'll be here with an incredible group and they will be playing music she'll be part of a group all women son jarocho group called entre mujeres all that much more will also bring you a calendar of upcoming events no te lo pierdas gracias por estar con nosotros you're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. We are very lucky to have on the line with us Maria Jose Montijo. She's an acupuncturist as well as a very loved Bay Area performer, musician, singer, and harp player. She is actually speaking to us from the island of Puerto Rico, her home. She lives here in the Bay Area, but that is her home. Majo, thank you so much for taking some time out of your time on the island to speak with us. Oh, thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. Maria Jose Montijo, so you right now have been talking to so many people. This is your first time back since the hurricane, and I'm sure you've seen so much. What is the state of Puerto Rico? What are you seeing? What are you What are you experiencing in terms of the aftermath since we are now? Uh, it was in September, September 23. So my first impression... Just landing from the airport was the chaos in the streets driving because there's so many places, there's no electricity. So any intersection, it would be like filled with cars like crossing each other. And it was, for me, terrifying. Funnily enough, like super normal for, (laughs) you know, for my mom or my dad, people just like quickly adapted to this chaos that had a sort of intelligence to it, but that was terrifying to somebody that's not used to it. So so there's a lot of places that don't have electricity. There's some places that don't have water. There's thousands of people that are displaced, thousands of people that are homeless, hundreds of thousands of people that have had to leave in a forced exile because because of homelessness, because they don't have jobs, because so many businesses are closing because there's no electricity, and because there's no electricity, you know, like doctor's offices are closed, so there's like uh, also a lack of health care, and it's a huge issue all across the board. Maria Jose Montijo, you are there at a very special time. It's a time, it's a festival, an important festival. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the artist's response to what has happened and what you're seeing through the festival? Yes, so right now I'm I'm in the middle of, well, it's the last, the last day of enjoying Las Fiestas de la Calle San Sebastián in the old San Juan. And these are a huge, massive festival, like the biggest festival that's happening right now, I think in the world, and so fun, and it's full of joy, and I can see the resilience in people, and the artists, I've had the honor to witness these works of art, for example, from the theater company Aguasoli Sereno, they made this piece called Comer, uh, which means to eat, it's centered around going hungry, like how people did go hungry after the hurricane and you know like using canned foods and then the last canned food is finished and then what you do you're you're hungry and then learning how to to grow food so that you're not hungry anymore so so like the message of of 
food sovereignty is is really strong in in what artists are trying to convey right now. And I saw that that same message as well in the theater piece from the really well-known puppet and art company Inoavia Luz. They made this children's piece around this truth story of this really old tree in Orocovis in the mountains and this tree that always had the Puerto Rican flag and how the winds blew that tree away. And that, that tree was a sign of Orocovis pride, but at the same time, it was a little bit like a fight because there's a lot of people that are pro-statehood in Orocovis, so they wanted to have the American flag too in the tree. But once the tree like blew away with the wind, people started planting flags in other trees, in other mango trees. This was a huge old, like 300-year-old mango tree. So so this metaphor of like a tree with a flag signifying people finding their own strength and, and, and moving towards decentralization from a government that's been like lacking in aid and support, especially to underserved poor communities, rural communities, communities of color. And like people don't care anymore that there's not an American flag next to the Puerto Rican flag. They, 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 there's a sense of, of resilience and strength that has come from communities coming together from the Centros de Apoyo Mutuo, which I guess translates to uh, centers of mutual support that have spread all over the island where civilians are just coming together to organize, to educate, to make community kitchens, to make big brigades, to clean the roads. Because, you know, in rural areas, they never got the help. The roads were blocked, the bridges fell, and the government, FEMA, they never showed up, and it, the people cleared out the roads by themselves, for themselves, and, and are, are making this a chance to decolonize, you know, from the food that we need to grow because, you know, you're like, what, what happens when you grow? There's no more canned food, right? Like the Aguasoli Sereno theater piece. And it really warms my heart to see my friends, my really close friends, just like just going to work for free, you know, day after day in brigades, trying to help people. And and also how they deal with the trauma from, from helping people and from witnessing so much trauma from people that have lost everything that are, are, are angry because they have received no help, right? And they've had to do everything by themselves. So all all that all that I, it's expressed through art and and then also art encourages people's own creativity, which kind of snaps you out of despair, right? So so one thing that I have witnessed from being in the Fiesta de la Calle San Sebastián is the pride and the joy that it's so innate to to Puerto Rican people, you know, and how we really like to celebrate and party. And that's how we cope with this huge natural disaster that's really a man-made disaster from climate change that's really a colonial and political problem. I just feel my heart, like, bursting into, like, a million pieces of, of in appreciation of, of the beauty and the strength of the Puerto Rican people. That's the voice of Maria Jose Montijo. She's an acupuncturist and healer. She also is an incredible musician that people here in the Bay Area listen to. She plays the harp and sings and brings so much joy through her work. She's speaking to us from the island. She's speaking to us from Puerto Rico, where she is from. And she's talking to us about some of the things that people are facing and also the ways they're organizing and addressing some of these issues. Can you tell us a little bit more about ways that you've seen gente, los puertorriqueños, boricuas en sí, o también gente de la diaspora, de la diaspora aquí, all over, all over the United States and all over the world, um, come together and just show solidarity and really organize to address some of these big issues, just humanitarian issues, but also political issues? Yes. So what I've, I've is the the group Salud y Acupuntura para el Pueblo. They were already established pre-Maria, 
And now they've just like expanded so much because there's so much need and the healthcare system is so broken that a lot of people have interest and especially the people from the Centros de Apoyo Mutuo are learning how to do these services so that they can provide them for free for their community. So basically these are free street clinics where auricular acupuncture is offered. Really this offering of the NADA protocol and protocol that is very specific to trauma and to disaster areas and to war zones was developed this this way of like teaching lay people how to do this this ear acupuncture protocol comes from New York and and how the young lords and the black panthers they took over a hospital I think the Lincoln Hospital and these acupuncturists taught them how to do the NADA protocol so they could help their communities they could help you know harm reduction in terms of of addiction to drugs and stuff like that and and like the trauma from from oppression and 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 that's what's going on right now in Puerto Rico there there was only one clinic and now there's like a lot of mobile clinics a lot of young people that are learning how to do it so they can take it to communities that are in need and in terms of the diaspora just from people that I know like I know this really good friend that I was like in choir with when I was a child. We were in children's choir together and now she's an opera singer in New York and she just made this clean water initiative where she raised uh, thousands and thousands of dollars so she could bring filters to like children's hospitals and to Vieques and to, you know, many underserved communities. And like that, I know hundreds of people in the diaspora that are just moving constantly wanting to do something, wanting to help, wanting to support, showing up, showing up because the government isn't showing up, it, not the federal government, not the local government. So I, I see a movement that's a movement from the people in the island and in the diaspora. So for people listening now that are maybe not as connected to the work that's happening and they know that they want to apoyar, they want to help however possible all the work that's happening on the ground and you know they know that this needs to be people to people because these acupuncture clinics are embedding they're not funded by the federal government they're just people taking time out and donating their supplies and donating their skills and making sure that they can do whatever possible to help heal and and help support what can people do that are listening to join in on all these efforts yes so you can donate money right so there's the Taller Salud is very well known for working with communities of color, especially in the Loiza. So donating to Maria Fund is good. If you want to support the work of Salud y Acupuntura para el Pueblo, they are umbrella under the Integrative Health Project in New York. So you can donate to the Integrative Health Project in New York specific for Salud y Acupuntura para el Pueblo. And there is so many centros de apoyo mutuo that you can donate to. I think there's somewhere online, there's a map. If if people Google Puerto Rico and centros de apoyo mutuo, which are mutual uh, aid support groups, um, or CAM, C-A-M, um, and there you can make direct donations that are going to go to community kitchens that are volunteer-run, like, People bring food, they donate food, and they cook food for people, and then it's kind of a trade, like you trade something. You trade your time so you get a meal, or you teach something people and you get a meal. For me, personally, I would donate to the Centros de Apoyo Mutuo, and they're growing and growing in different areas of, of Puerto Rico, so I don't have, like, a link that I can... Uh, you know, direct people to, but if people Google CAM, C-A-M, Puerto Rico, it will come up in Google. You know, something that I noticed right away is that, you know, the, the recovery from the hurricane is made so much more difficult because we are a colony, because, because there's a Jones Act, because our economy is stunted, because the United States is basically in control, because there is a control board, La Junta de Control Fiscal, who basically is 
establishing all these austerity measures, not for our well-being, but for paying this huge amount of debt that's in, in many ways illegal because it, it has exorbitant amounts of interest. And, you know, it, it only benefits these vulture funds that are already like billionaires that really don't need any more money. I think this is an ongoing political issue, and it, the fact that we are a colony, that we don't have a vote, that we don't have representation, it's fundamental to what's happening, you know, and and we need we need the support. We need the support of the American people so that we can become more autonomous, that we can, can develop a strong, stronger economy and that we have more freedom in terms of commerce. You know, we really need to rescind the Jones Act. And, and I think we, we need to rescind La Junta de Control Fiscal. I mean, it's basically like a dictatorial control board that, you know, cuts uh, pensions, uh, closes schools, like cuts funds for the arts and who knows what else they're going to do just because they want the people of Puerto Rico to pay for the actions of a very corrupt government who hasn't been really scrutinized, you know? So we really need for the debt to be audited so we know who did what and, and what is legal and what is not. Marcoso, what is the Jones Act? You've mentioned it a few times. So so the Jones Act basically means that any ship that comes through Puerto Rico with, with merchandise has to pass through the United States first, which means that when we get goods, the prices are, are really high because the aduana... The customs and control, customs? Yeah, or the shipping costs of like having something that's coming from Costa Rica land in the U.S., then change to a U.S. boat, then come to Puerto Rico. Like it just makes goods be super, super expensive. So, for example, you know, in Puerto Rico, like the median household income annual is like $20,000 or something like that. So it's we're a really, really poor country. And when I go to a supermarket, you know, it's it's like, two or three dollars over Bay Area price. So it's very, very expensive to buy food here. And and that's a problem, and it's because of the Jones Act. Marie Jose Montijo, thank you so much for sharing with us a little bit about what's happening on the ground. Unfortunately, the coverage here is not great. We're barely hearing about what's happening in Puerto Rico. People have to hunt for the news. And we know that there's so many people all over the world, Puerto Ricanos y gente in, in solidarity, that are just doing everything possible to spotlight, um, support, and to send money, supplies, and buena energía to the island to address these these issues that are, as you mentioned, not just they're not just a result of the huracan, but really of policy and U.S. intervention and colonial laws. So thank you so much for all the work that you are doing. And we're going to actually close out this song, this with a, one of your songs. I'm going to play Cura because I think that's a very fitting song for all the work that's happening on the island. So muchísimas gracias, Majo, por estar con nosotros. Gracias a ti, muchas gracias. Oh 
plantita, plantita amiga, ayúdame a Plantita, plantita amada amiga, ayúdame a curar. Cuerpo de luz, cuerpo de acoíris, que cura, que cura, cura. Cuerpo de luz, cuerpo de
the Bay Area has taken a lot of love for and all of California and many other places have developed a deep, deep reawakened love for. I have on the line with us Marta Gonzalez, who has many projects, many beautiful projects that our listeners have probably heard and have loved, but she is going to be a part of this incredible festival with her group Entre Mujeres, which is out of L.A. and includes a lot of other incredible players. Marta, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Marta, so you have really done both pieces of this, which is learned and studied and um, made sure to find the maestros all over around folkloric music, Musica de Mexico, and have studied the history and how this music came to be and what it means and the power of it. So you've studied it from a, from an academic perspective. You've really learned it. But you've also just created so much joy and fun in building community and bringing it places that maybe it wouldn't be brought otherwise. You, you've had a long relationship with Son Carocho. Tell us about how it's evolved and where, where you're at with your, your connection to this music. Well, I feel like um, we, a lot of us have had a uh, Son Carocho connection, right, to the music or as early as, you know, somebody like um, in the history of Chicano music, for example, uh, way before probably, but Richie Valens really brought it into the general popular music to the imagination, right? Really opened it up with by mixing it with rock and roll, and of course, and made it famous. But then those lobos and and other groups that have always uh, used it as a way of as sort of empowering our our communities and and bringing an awareness to the general popular music. I think that for me, uh, the music started as a child. You know, I, of course, I knew the Son Jarocho, I knew the music, I knew Lino Chavez, I knew. Andres Huesca and all of the recordings that we would get, of course, the song to us has always been alive in our communities, in our families as we listen to these albums. But I think that the what I see more than anything lately is this love for the fandango, which is something that hasn't been as easy to get to communities, and that is the fiesta, right? The fandango is like a fiesta where the song itself is born. And to me, that has been the most powerful part, and that is the difference between past movements and people that just love the music and are patrons of of the art form and, you know, go to the concerts and, and support the groups. What is happening more now and has been taken fire everywhere in so many different communities across the U.S. and in, across the uh, Mexican Republic is this idea of the fandango, the, the fiesta comunitaria and the beauty that it brings because the way it invites many people to participate, it's transgenerational. It it's, uh, democratizes music in a way that we haven't seen a lot of musics be able to do, right? And so that's the beautiful part about the movement I see. But even so, even as that is taking shape and a lot of people are playing these little guitars called haranas and people have fandangos and they organize around it and it really brings a kind of new consciousness to communities. I think that you still have people also innovating with the art form, right? They're, they're playing, they're putting groups together, they're writing new songs, they're, they're working transnationally. And that's where, you know, Entre Mujeres comes in where we felt, uh, myself and my, one of the originators of the group, Laura Rebolloso, who was also one of the founders of Son de Madera, one of the most prominent groups in Mexico, uh, felt that, you know, women, there's a lot of women in the movement, in the Nuevo Movimiento Caranero, that really reinstated the Fandango, and, and, but not a whole lot of recordings and a whole lot of um, time spent focusing just on women and their own compositions. And so that's something that we really wanted to make sure that as this movement continues, that in the history, we don't have, we don't forget that there's a whole lot of women players and female movers and shakers and organizers within the movement that oftentimes in the history books go unnoticed. And so that's, that's kind of where, what it is for me, what the special part about it, meaning Fandango is what, how fun, important Fandango has been to the movement and equally important how the women have been important in the movement itself and how it's been taking shape. That's the voice of Marta Gonzalez. Many people know and love her from her work with Quetzal, along with many other musical groups. Marta, you live in this really wonderful, beautiful ground where your work has been featured at the Smithsonian, but yet you also play community centers in L.A. and bring so much joy in so many different places. Be, you know, People who play at the Smithsonian maybe wouldn't be. Quetzal also, along with 
kind of recognizing and uplifting a lot of traditional music from Mexico and combining it with different sounds, but always kind of paying homage to the music that we all grew up with. Can you talk to us a little bit about who is part of Entre Mujeres? Because, I mean, Son de Madera, it just it makes you cry. Some of them, they're just such beautiful players. Yeah. Like, you just can't help but cry. I'm just like, I'm blown away. They're, I think, one of the, <laughs> some of the few uh, groups of music that I feel like when you hear that even their recorded music, it can just be so, can, you know, be a little overwhelming. So tell us about who is gathered for Mentre Mujeres, because it sounds like a pretty incredible group. Thank you. Yeah, you know, when I first heard Son de Madera, I felt a lot of what you felt. And and I continue to feel that when I listen to the kind of the prolific compositions, original compositions that they write, the lyricism, the melodies, the singing. To me, I think it's really important for us to, as Son Jarocho people, if you want to be and learn the sones the way, you know, Normally, of course, in within the Son tradition, there's a very special component of it, and that is to create and to innovate with even within the parameters of what each Son is, is right? And uh, Son de Madera is really great at sort of uh, reinvigorating every Son that they touch, you know. They do a, a morena, but the way they do the morena is beautiful. You know, they do a bamba, and the bambas that they do are just amazing. You know, they they're just really a great example of what quality innovation is, right? And um, in my opinion, and uh, along with, the, there's other groups out there that I really admire as well, but Son de Madera has always been one of my favorites. And the first time I heard Son de Madera, I heard this wonderful voice. Her name is Laura Rebolloso. And, and for me, she became one of the, my, the head maestras that I, w- I would follow along for melodies, for rhythms, for um, the way she plays her harana, the rhythmic structures that she pulls out of it. It's just a really great, beautiful understanding. And so it's her that that really inspired me to begin Entre Mujeres. And, and I was actually nine months pregnant when we started it. I We didn't get to finish the first songs that we began because I gave birth and then life takes over. But she always reminded me of the project. And if it wasn't for Quetzal Flores, my partner also instigating and saying like, hey, you haven't finished this, you haven't finished that. Why don't you apply for a grant to see if you can finish it? So we started by applying for a Fulbright Garcia Robles Fellowship that that was funded the project. And so I we were able to move to Veracruz for nine months and really just basically be there and be open to any of the mujeres that wanted to compose that felt daring enough to move outside of the zone a little bit, but with the influence of it. And so we started creating. And so the group that you're going to see, it's most of the women that recorded on the actual CD that we ended up recording for this project, which we will have for sale. And um, um, and I would love to give you some to give away to some of the your listeners if they're willing to come out. And, you know, so I'll give you a couple as well. And um, the players that are going to be there are people like um, that are from the U.S., and but some that are from actually most of them are from the U.S. because um, the players that are from Mexico are actually going to be part of Caña Dulce Caña Brava. So we're taking advantage of the fact that they will be here. They're from Mexico and also very prominent soneras that are coming in, and so they're going to join us for a song or two. But most of the, the configuration of Entre Mujeres this time around will be folks from L.A. And um, one is from San Antonio, who relocated to Mexico, who is now part of Caña Dulce, Caña Brava. And most everybody else is from Los Angeles. We have Nikki Campbell, who's originally from Panama, who's a percussionist. We have our, um, actually one Bay Area participant. Her name is uh, Sarah Rosencrantz, who's a, a prominent um, percussionist in the area from Berkeley, California, um, who's also going to join us. And then we have uh, Sochi Flores from Cambalache. A lot of people know Cesar Castro is a musical director for that group. We also have um, uh, Rocio Marron, a very prominent violin player who's made her mark in the Son Jarocho world in Mexico through by playing on Orquestas del Día, which is one of the most popular recordings by Son de Madera. She did all of the violin arrangements. And so she's, she's going to be with us, as well as um, self playing and, you know, harana and singing, and uh, and Marisa Ronstadt, who's um, a very wonderful ranchera and um, R&B singer from Arizona, California, but um, she is from the Ronstadt family, Linda Ronstadt's niece, that can, the music in her family continues with Marisa, and 
So we're, I'm really excited. It's going to be really a, a great uh, group uh, getting together and doing some of the Entre Mujeres recordings that we did so many years ago. And it's really an opportunity that's unique here in the Bay Area. A lot of people have seen maybe individual performers that you've mentioned and have been blown away by them. But to see them together, to see you all together, it's such a treat. It's never happened here in the Bay Area as far as I know. So that's really a very lucky opportunity for people to take advantage of. So this is actually February 3rd at the Brava Theater. This is part of the Son Jarocho Festival. As uh, Marta Gonzalez mentioned, there's going to be a lot happening around the festival. So it starts off with uh, zapateado classes, classes to learn um, how to dance, build percussion with your feet. It's really beautiful. It's something that you know you can take with you anywhere and be part of these fandangos, these great parties where everyone connects and you don't have to be the best person in the world to, to join part. You just have to love the music. And then there's going to be jarana classes, and there's going, they're going to be in Oak, Oakland and also the West Bay in San Francisco. There's also going to be requinto classes and canto y verso classes with um, Raquel Palacio Vega and other folks that are going to be here. And actually, Marta, you are going to teach a class, a percussion class, which is pretty exciting, going to be on Thursday, February 1st. Can you tell people about that? Maybe we have people listening that are a little intimidated or they've just started. Maybe they've been in the Son Carocho world for seis meses o un año. You know, they feel like, oh, my goodness, you know, should I go? Should I be a part of this? What would you what do you think? Oh, man, I think you should come out. I think the most important part about this entire movement is that it's it's inviting the community to come out and create music together. That's the, the again, that's the important part about this whole movement. It's not that you get to learn these skills enough to like, it's not about like, oh, let me start my own group or let me, you know, it's not about, you know, the, what I call the capitalist impulse, right? Where we immediately think like, okay, now I'm good enough to start the, a group. It's, it's not about that. It's about the learning enough to be able to participate in a fandango. Your skill set is always growing. You're always, you know, continuing on and on. That's not to say that I'm discouraging people from starting groups or whatever, but I think that we need to tap into the, the most important part about this whole movement, which is what inspired me um, to just to, like, to see what it's like to be in a fandango, to be able to learn from others and to be together, um, all levels of musicianship, all levels of learning, uh, to learn from each other, I think, and to be together, just to make music together is really important. And more than ever right now, we need to connect with each other on that level, connect with, with each other creatively, and because you never know what can happen out of this. You know, as an academic, you mentioned earlier, you know, as an academic, I really write about what the power of what this movement has done, and that is that it leads people as people are involved in this kind of learning and from each other and in community, it sort of sort of springboards and creates a kind of critical consciousness that moves into other areas of our lives. Like we start thinking about food, we start thinking about organizing around food or other ways that we are we should be healthier in our communities, you know. And music is one of those things we need to create uh, with each other in community and and be in music with community together and because it could lead to other things and not to mention strengthening of our communities right and so i invite everybody all levels we're going to do some percussion we're going to dance a little bit we're going to you know do some footwork we're going to do you know and it's going to be fun you're going to get a little workout and you're going to connect with others we're going to you know, we're going to make our community stronger and, you know, L.A. and the Bay Area. So in any place that you find yourself and you hear Fandango, you know you can go in there and you plug in, you know, and, and you're with other people and you know the protocol and, you, you know, you can have a good time, you know. Your community will grow. And as Marta's mentioning, there's going to be a big fandango ese viernes, the February 2nd, right before, the day before the concert. It's a free event, and everyone's going to bring their instruments, they're going to dance, they're going to sing, participar con verso. So there's like a whole bunch of ways to plug in, and it's from 6 to 11 at the Brava Theater. And this is something yeah. that anyone can be a part of, and it's just beautiful to just go and, and be, and just you know, even just be there. And like like Marta's saying, there are few places in this capitalist world where we can just be with each other. And it's not about, you know, 
um, purchasing tickets and it's not, you know, just actually people just joining together to, um, to build music. So you get the preview, you get Friday night, and then you get to sit down and just enjoy these incredible musicians that are coming from so far away. And as we mentioned, Caña Dulce, Caña Brava, Caña Brava, they have never been to the, the Bay Area. So this is a really unique opportunity too. So Entre Mujeres, we've never seen Entre Mujeres here and we've never had Caña Dulce, Caña Brava. So this is a really unique opportunity at the Brava Theater. Marta, there's also a kids event. It looks like all day on Sunday, the 4th, and Evento para Niños. So it's a youth concert and just a whole bunch of demonstrations from master artists and instruments and techniques used in Son Carocho. So a lot of people maybe don't know that most people um, who are, are luthiers are building their own instruments. You know, Son Carocho's people that are artists in many ways. So they're artists not just in terms of their musical abilities, but in terms of building instruments, which is pretty crazy. It's just a you know, it's something that's passed down for so long. So what are some of the things that maybe if someone is new to Son Jarocho and being part of a festival like this, what do you hope that maybe they can see or kind of experience? I think we're really lucky that this movement in Mexico has has reached us here by the hands of many people, right? And what they get to see is sort of a lot of what the hard work of those organizers that put together, and that is a holistic view of what this culture is. So the, at the heart of this culture to me is the sharing, right? Is the of distributing of knowledge, of the sonens, of how you play, how you dance, how you sing it, how, what the verses mean, the significance of everything, right? All of that, of course, it's all this sharing and, and skill building that can take a lifetime right? It's, it's wonderful. There's always something to learn. I'm, I personally consider myself an eternal student of the son, even though I teach it, even though I, you know, I continue to, I continue to learn as well. So, and at the heart of the learning it are the, is the ethics, right? The ethics of convivencia, that it's about coming together and being with community, very present, spiritually, emotionally, and, and learning all of these skill sets, right? And then it, it's about also the art form, right? The art form of what it means to improvise, right? Because even as you're learning and there's a patterns and there's all these things that you can learn, there's also at the heart of it improvisation, right? So you learn from people and what it means to improvise, where you improvise, where you stick, to, stick with the group and stick with the groove and then where you can go outside of it, right? So there's an art form to improvisation, an art form in the skill set of, of, of requinteando when you're playing, an art form in um, the everything else, right? There's always something to learn. And then there's the, the there's also the, the luthier part of it where the, the musicians and the uh, luthiers that make these instruments, what it takes, what it takes to take care of one, what it takes to build, what it takes to build uh, the instrument itself, the care that you, you have to take in, in caring for it to make it last, to make it sound different. All of those things, I think, are part of the learning of the, of the, the culture itself and the building and the respect, you know. And all along the way, I think it's really important to also respect, right, that what we're learning and who we're learning it from, know the names of the folks that are, have taken, have sacrificed their lives and their time in order to bring us this information, right? No se nos tiene que olvidar esa parte, right? El respeto a la esta información, la gente que nos la trae, you know, las comunidades que, ¿me entiendes? Like all of that stuff is really important because you can't, it's not just about going somewhere, paying your fee for learning a, a skill set, right? And then say, okay, I'm, I'm taking this information. I'm, that's it. You, you know, this, this is mine. That's it. It's like, you know, you don't do that. You build a relationship, and you, you have to show respect for these folks, and it's a lifelong commitment to the craft, to the people themselves, and to honor the, your teachers that have taught you so much, you know. So right now I'll tell you, you know, I, like I said earlier, Laura Rebolloso has been my teacher, you know, Ramon Gutierrez, Teresa Vega, the whole Vega family, Los Utrera, you know, all of these families that have sacrificed their, their you know, their lives to learning this craft and maintaining it. You know, los guardianes del, del son, pero también, you know, the, how they imparted. And you don't, you don't forget your teachers, you know. You, 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 and you continue to learn and you gain more teachers on the way. And, you know, it's, it's about, you know, all this learning in the art form, but also about the ethics, right, as you're learning of it. And it's, it's about that, too, 
you know, and being accountable to the communities. That's the voice of Marta Gonzalez. She is part of a many, many beautiful projects. People probably have known and loved her a lot from uh, her work with Quetzal, which she and her partner, Quetzal Flores, are have really brought so much joy and also so much inspiration and positivity and also learning because they highlight so many incredible um, histories, y también so much knowledge that comes from generations and generations passed down of music building and music making. So we're talking about the Son Carocho Festival happening here in the Bay Area. It's the sixth annual festival, and it'll be January 30th to uh, February 4th. But the main concert is February 3rd, which is a Saturday night, and tickets are probably going to sell out. I would really recommend people purchase their tickets soon. Uh, Marta, yes. ¿sería posible que um, podemos pasar una canción so de Entre Mujeres? Okay, sí. cool. Um, what song would you like to intro for us? Because it's one thing for us to talk about Son Jarocho, but I want people to hear it. It's so much energy and joy. So what should people hear now? Okay, so I just want uh, this a disclaimer is that Entre Mujeres, what we're going to play is, is not, it's definitely influenced by the Son Jarocho, but we're really playing original compositions created transnationally between mujeres in, in the U.S., and, but, but I mean, started by mujeres in, in Mexico that are part of the Son Jarocho movement there, but then also uh, with a lot of influence from the U.S. and, and the kind of the, the, the vibe and the energy and the musicianship that we bring here as well, that Chicana Latina musicians have, that are part of the movement as well bring from here. So what we're going to play is a, is a, a canción uh, written by Laura Rebolloso and myself, and it's called Chispas. And it's, it is definitely based on the song, but these are canciones. So Entre Mujeres is playing canciones, and I would say that uh, Caña Dulce, Caña Brava, is really, is, they're the ones that are bringing the, the sort of more of the traditional song jarocho uh, to the Bay Area. Thank you so much. So we're going to hear this track, and we just want to remind folks, brava.org, the Brava Theater is where you can purchase your tickets. It's a great place venue you can really hear the music excellent sound it's on 24th street in la mission it's 278 124th street and people can just go to brava.org and purchase their tickets y también recomendamos que todos investigan y ven allí en la página de son jarocho del festival que va a haber todos los talleres and really it's such a blessing to have these talleres because it's people like as marta said that this is these are people that have not just in the last few years picked up son jarocho these are people who've lived it who are actually dedicating their time to looking at oh what does this verso mean why was it created why did what does what ser, what did it serve you know th these are sones can take so many different forms and they evolve and they tell so many different stories but where did they come from you know what part of it actually what instruments and how are these instruments made that's all you learn in these talleres too you don't just learn how to play you learn the stories behind the sones and so much more so I think that, you know, for anyone here who loves Mexico or wants to connect more to how they can, how it connects to their own lives, it's it's something that Son Jarocho is constantly growing, so you can find your place in it. So I really recommend people to check out these talleres, and people are very welcoming and warm, and that's something that's also very unique, I think, about the Son Jarocho community. It's not pretentious. You know, there aren't people that are like, oh, you have to people are there because they love the music yes. so that's unique please everybody come out bring your kids it's also very child-friendly movement y vas a estar para el fandango también no Claro, okay, so va a haber fandango el viernes, like we said. So that's exciting. That's going to be really, really fun. And so everyone just gets together. So you're not just sitting there in your chair and clapping. You're actually a part of it. You're in a circle. You're, you're dancing, you know, you're singing. And that, that's something that, I mean, how often do you get that, that collaborative feeling? So um, we really want folks to check it out. Starts January 30th, so around the corner, and get their tickets as soon as possible. Y ahora vamos a escuchar una canción de Entre Mujeres, this beautiful project. And you can purchase purchase the album at the Brava Theater at the show and Marta so if we people listening that just really want to devour your music and they want to keep up on all your events and your future shows either through Quetzal or through Entre Mujeres how can they stay up on your news? I have a website that I try to keep you know updated <laughs> but you can also, you can actually go on, on Facebook and, and, and we have Entre Mujeres does have a Facebook page you could see some information about us there as well as the Quetzal page. You can also go to, to the Quetzal page. And um, and then, of course, the Brava Theater is always up to date on the Son Jarocho world. And so there, I really trust that they, they keep up with all that. 
But again, through my Quetzal page or the Entre Mujeres or my own Facebook page, I always, and that's probably the one I keep up the most, both for academic stuff, but also in the music, any kind of music um, stuff that we, we're doing as Quetzal or Entre Mujeres or any other project that we're a part of. Marta Gonzalez, thank you so much for taking your time and also for all the work you're doing, not just to create beautiful music and build community, but also to document and talk to all the people who are part of this. Like you said, it's so many people, it's a legacy and tradition of dedication to music that's been a form of resistance. It's been a form of building solidarity and also for preserving and connecting generations because it's such a multi-generational movement. So muchísimas gracias por todo el trabajo que haces en el ámbito académico, en todo lo que escribes y estudias y investigación que haces, but also in all the music creation intentional space that you build. So we really thank you. You've been such a important pillar in this community for so, so, so long. And it's just essential because, I mean, it's we wouldn't Aww. be here if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much, Aww, Marta. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, sister, for, for always giving us the space and for, you know, taking the time to, you know, report on all this, on all the craziness. <laughs> <laughs> we really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza, bringing you a calendar of upcoming events. Tomorrow at Wednesday at 6.30, we're going to have an event called The Business of Disaster Colonial Shock Doctrine and the Fight for Health Justice in Post Maria Puerto Rico. And it's an event 
that's free, wheelchair accessible on the UC Berkeley campus in the Department of Anthropology in the Glifford Room, Krober Hall 221. This event will have many important speakers talking about the ongoing catastrophe following Hurricane Maria's landfall in Puerto Rico in September. And we'll talk about all the many historical inequalities that played a clear role in shaping the government's response as well as the enduring colonial relationship between the U.S. and Puerto Rico and the market-driven nature of governmental relief efforts. So you can catch that tomorrow at Kerber Hall. To find out more about this event, you can f look up The Business of Disaster, Colonial Shock Doctrine, and the Fight for Health, Justice, and Post-Maria Puerto Rico. This event is put together by the California Nurses Association as well as the Berkeley Center for Social Medicine. So you can also find out more on Facebook or on the websites for those organizations. Another event we want to make sure you know about is Cumbia Town this Friday, January 26th at the Starline Social Club. Cool Kyle, Deuce Eclipse from Bang Data fame, and many, many, many others are bringing their cumbia, bringing their beats and their buena energia. And so that will be a dance party happening at the Starline Social Club este viernes. As you heard earlier on the show, the Son Carocho Festival is around the corner. It starts January 30th and ends February 4th, and it's going to be a lot of different things, but some things that we're really excited for, to share with you all is there'll be Master Talleres, so maestros from all over are going to be coming and sharing classes around zapateado or jarana or any other skill. So just check out the brava.org to find out more about all the many workshops being offered. Friday, February 2nd, part of the Son Jarocho Festival, there will be a community fandango from 6 to 11. It's a late night dance session filled with instruments, voices, and verse. So don't miss it. Y pues... That has been our community calendar of upcoming events. If you have any events that you'd like us to highlight, or if you know about things happening in the community, por aquí en la Bahía, or donde sea en América Latina, please get in touch. You can reach us at La Raza Chronicles at kpfa.org. You can also like us on Facebook. Our page is La Raza Chronicles on Facebook, and you can keep up on our news there and also hear about other events happening in the Bay. And last but not least, if you love this show and you want to share with your friends, you can find us on SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash La Raza Chronicles. Muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros. Y feliz año.